instead of spending $500 for two tickets, we spent $2,000 to go to New Orleans for a long weekend to see the concert. <laughs> and, and, and as my wife said, yes, but we got a mini trip out of it. We got a mini yeah. vacation out of it. But yes, and I've seen James Taylor multiple times, and it's always beautiful. His voice remains classic, and it just... He is wonderful. And I've never been to Red Rocks and that is on my wish list of because I that venue sounds just magical. It's a it's a beautiful place. And if there, at one point it looked like that there was going to be a they were going to stop the concert mm-hmm. because there was a thunderstorm. But in a way, what happened was that you had these dark clouds come down. And then you have the lights of the thing. And, and, and James is I mean, he's got so many great songs. Really and, does, yeah. uh, and of course, because of my accent, all I have to do in America is turn around and talk to somebody and people want to talk to me because they think I'm James Bond. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hughes. Tim yes, Hughes. Yes. yes. Tim Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hughes. everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though he will come up as he normally does. And we are talking record collecting, music fandom. Timothy Hughes is my guest. He does his own YouTube channel where he talks to a lot of business leaders and we exchanged emails and he said, I'd love to talk music with you. So Timothy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Music is a passion of mine and it's nice to basically sit down and better talk about that rather than talk about some of the business stuff. Yeah, I, I get that every once in a while where my guest will be, God, that was such a change of pace. That was so much fun. So tell us a little about yourself. My background is sales. I've been in sales for 25 years, mainly work for U.S. software corporations. And uh, I got into social media about 10 years ago um, and realized that something was happening with social media. and. Decided I suddenly got a book deal. So I wrote my first book back in 2016 and uh, then set up my own company. And uh, my third book has just come out um, in, in November of last year. Very nice. What's the name of that book? It's just over my shoulder. It's called Social Selling Techniques for Influence Buyers and Changemakers. It's the second edition. It's got the yellow cover. Very nice. Very cool. We may have to talk a little business since I run a contact center, but I think we're mostly going to talk music. So I always like to start at the beginning, Tim. Tell me, where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to? You can probably detect from my accent, I'm not local to you. No. So I'm based in the UK. I live in London. My The love of music actually starts with my great-grandfather. So... This record player here, this 78 record player, was my great-grandfather's. And this record uh, cabinet here was built by my grandfather. And this houses my great-grandfather's and my father's 78s. There's about 800 of them. That is awesome. And and they all play. This is my dad's. I found this, got this earlier on. This is my dad's. He used to do talks about 78s and stuff. And this is a box of them. Anyway, my dad was, my dad worked for the BBC. He was a sound engineer. He was a big fan of classical music. But, and I unfortunately let the side down by deciding to like rock music. And uh, he didn't like anything where you needed to have someone to keep a beat. He said if they were real musicians, they would know how to keep a beat. Even when he grew up in the fifties. So he would have grown up in during early rock and roll and stuff like that. So he would have been quite quite different in the fact that he was a classical music fan. But I, 
my my favorite band of all time is Led Zeppelin. I'm a big Deep Purple fan. I've probably got all of their stuff. And more recently, I've probably got got into what you probably call prog. So I'm into a lot of quite Swedish and Nordish progressive rock bands. They seem to do a lot of progressive rock in Sweden and Norway at the moment. There's a Polish band called Riverside that I'm into. Yeah, it's not changed, even though my music taste is probably very eclectic. I've got opera, I've got classical, um, I've got all kinds of stuff, but my love is rock music. So why do you think, is this a conscious effort of your part? Because one of the standard tropes, but I think there's a lot of truth to it, is you find your favorite bands, high school, university, and then in with very few exceptions, you don't expand your listening past that, right? Like you're... It's interesting because um, when I was at school, I liked that. And then what happened was that, so I was 12 in 1977 when punk came out. Okay. And punk for me was everything that my father hated. Um, and I loved, I still do love the Stranglers and punk stuff. And then when I went to university, there was the Cure, the Smiths and and I love that. And then as we moved to, we had all the electronic stuff like Soft Cell, Heaven 17 in the 80s, which I loved. And then we went into the 90s and we had the Bixies and the, and Nirvana and, and, and the Grunge. And I loved all that as well. So I've carried, I've, you know, I've carried on. Um, I know that I stopped listening to the, we have a, radio station here in the uk called radio one which is what plays um the up-to-date pop music yeah and i know that i stopped listening to that when i was 30 and i because I, I remember thinking i don't know what's number one so i always knew what was number one up to the point i was 30 and then i went through this journey of around about the turn of the century i went through a massive journey to look into jazz miles davis sonny rollins and I basically there was a newspaper and it said these are the top 100 albums jazz ever and I went out and bought them and then went through that and said I like that I don't like that and that so I had this and I've got a big jazz collection and then I think when I got into my 40s and certainly in my 50s I have graduated back to I'm now listening to Iron Maiden Motorhead um and and that sort of stuff, which is what I, I grew up on. Why do you, have you thought about why you had this desire to keep expanding your musical library? And my theory would be it's in your genes because you talked about your grandfather and your great grandfather. I, I certainly understand why you collect albums and vinyl because that definitely was in your genius yeah, I, so i'm a physical music collector yeah i do have a spotify subscription but purely because it comes with my what you would call a cell phone what i yeah. call a mobile phone license contract um but one of the big my father passed away in november he was 90 and the big thing that we talked about at the funeral was his love of music he because he he was a sound engineer at the BBC. He was able to work. He worked with Udi Benerin. He worked with Kate Bush. It, it, there was all kinds of people. And and music was something that was he was very passionate about. And if I can be very serious for a second. Please. Um, he had dementia for 15 years. The last five years of his life, he was in a, a nursing home because my mother just couldn't look after him. But what we asked him and he's he, but basically what would happen is that he'd be at night he'd be sitting in the in his nursing home going like this and he's sitting in his pants if i can say this if i don't know yeah, sure. so you can imagine the nurses are like what on earth is he doing and he'd say i'm conducting and they say what he said the music it's in my head 
And he said that he could still remember classical pieces and he heard them. And he said to my mum one day, when the music stops, that's when I want to die. So I don't know how much, and we're going to talk a little bit about Bruce, because you said in our exchange that you certainly are a fan of his music. And as my viewers, I send this out via YouTube and iTunes. So the people watching on YouTube have seen you pull up darkness. But Bruce's mother has dementia. And he talks about that on Broadway with The Wish. And he says that she still loves music. He says, even though they can't recognize her or Patty or any, either of his sisters, when they always make sure there's music in the house when she's visiting or they visiting and she loved to dance and she loved that. And one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is I believe music is such a vital part of our lives. It's how we celebrate. It's how we mourn. It's how we get through tough times. It brings us solace. And, and I love talking to all these different people that have this different love of different musicians. So, so we did some research on it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if in, in London we have these black taxes. Okay. And, they, and, and what happens is you can get in a taxi and say, take me there and they will take you there. And they don't use it. This is before GPSs. Yeah. And they do this thing called the knowledge. And it usually takes two years. And what they have to do is learn the way that the London streets are. So they will, if they're going to take you to the theatre, they know which way to go to put you on the right side of the road to go to the theatre so you don't have to cross the road. It's held in your your brain differently to the way that you remember memories. And the theory is that, that we hold music in that way as well. So my yeah. father couldn't remember what he had for lunch. He couldn't remember, you know, when he went to France. It used to frustrate my mom. She'd say, surely you remember when that waitress said this to you. No, I don't. But he could remember when my partner and I went and we said, oh, we went to Vienna. And he said, did you go to the opera house? And we said, yeah, we did actually, yeah. He said, it's the so. He knew exactly what it was. He just stored... This, the, he stored in, and this is a thing for all of us. If we're going to get dementia, the music that we have in our heads is going to be the last thing that you remember. And for me, that was a justification for what I do <laughs> for my love of music. Because if I, if my had, my dad had dementia, I probably have, will get this as well. Right. But I get my love of music and I know that that level of music will be i want to hear it in my head doing research for this you know i remember being at polly and hearing hungry heart for the first time i got a wife and kid in baltimore jack i went for out for a ride and i never went back just like a river i just kept flowing i took the wrong turn and i just kept going what an amazing set of lyrics the fact that somebody just says i'm just gonna drive and I'm not going to go back. But the fact that someone's actually written it down as poetry, the fact that I've been able to read it out, I have it in my head. And I can hear the song in my head. The same things, often, if you think about Stolen Car or Cadillac Ranch, you, as soon as I say Cadillac Ranch, you can hear the song starting in your head. And that is, that's what the memory is all about. And, uh, and it's so important. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm my, one of my other podcasts I do is a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. And And that did Doctor Who. That is, wow. That is fascinating. He did, he was on the, he did the John Pertwee and, and Tom Baker. He did the sound and he had, so there's a Doctor Who magazine that comes out in the UK and his obituary was in it the other day. Oh, how. Lovely. If you can scan that and send it to me, I'd love it. That is awesome. It's in my drawer just here. Okay, great. I'll send it to you. Yes, thank you. So anyway, yeah, I, and 
with all apologies to the TARDIS, music is a true time machine. When you hear, when I hear play that funky music, white boy, I am back to a high school dance. I graduated high school in 77, so I'm a few years older than you. But I'm back in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in a school cafeteria at a school dance, right? There is the songs that, you know, mean the world to us. And it is, it is beautiful. So you mentioned a few Bruce lyrics. So let's talk a little bit about Bruce. Do you remember when you first heard of Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? Yeah. Thinking about it, I think the first time I really came across Bruce was the Born in the USA album in 1984. Sure. And because that was when he really, he was big in the US, but he wasn't big in the UK. Right. And that album became, was the thing that really made him. The thing, what the problem was, it was played so much on the radio, everyone got bored of it. So when Live 1975-85 came out in 86, we'd had enough. And But obviously it still sold. But And I was probably too much into the Smiths and wearing a long black coat and Echo and the Bunny Men and looking glum and stuff like that. And so it wasn't until probably, it wasn't until Tunnel of Love when that came out in 87 where I basically picked it up again. And then I've looked through his discography and I seem to miss it. Miss, I missed the ghost of Tom Jold in 1995. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I then seem to pick everything up. And ever since then, and it was, I'm trying to think it was in 2002 when the, so my favorite Bruce Springsteen album is The Rising from 2002. The 9-11 situation had a massive impact on everybody in the world. And I related to it because I'm a, I work in an office and I've been to New York and I knew people who were in that building who didn't, who didn't go back home. And I still find it quite difficult thinking about it. And it was at that point where I used to play that album all the time to the point where I can't play it anymore because it upsets me. And I then went back to the beginning Mm -hmm. and started the journey of from the, the darkness on the other town and the born to runs and stuff like that, where I hadn't really started that journey when you find somebody and it actually touches you that's when i think i need to go back to the beginning because i need to understand the origins of this and i need to understand that you know that that so many people have talked about bruce springsteen as being or people that when bruce springsteen started everyone was saying in in the music industry you've got to go and see him he's the new bob dylan and the thing about his lyrics is they're just they're, they're just amazing the way that he can he he create creates an everyday life situation. He tells a story, but he also has amazing phasing in the way that he sings it as well. There's quite a country element. There's a number of people that I like from a country world that basically sing it but it's like something i go back to the river stolen car we okay i've never stolen a car never wanted to but you could you you put that on and you feel the whole thing and the thing about bruce springsteen albums their albums for me is very similar to pink floyd even though bruce springsteen are tracks of maybe three, four or five minutes where you put it on and it's don't talk to me because you're so involved in the lyric and, and, and so involved in the story that's being told that you, 
get in it. Do you understand what I mean? I do. Yes. I'm going to ask you to hold just a minute. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Do you know John Hyatt's songs? Maybe you know them from being covered by Roseanne Cash, Three Dog Nine, The Neville Brothers, Emmylou Harris, Eric Clapton, B.B. King, Jeff Healy, Bonnie Raitt, or literally hundreds of others. Maybe you have some of his albums on your shelf or in your cow-horned Cadillac right now. I'm Jesse Jackson. And I'm Sylvan Groff. And we're going to dive in from A to Z. Join us on the Perfectly Good Podcast. We're going to discuss all of your favorites and uncover some forgotten gems from Aces Up Your Sleeve to Zero House. Rate and debate every John Hyatt song on the Perfectly Good Podcast. Have Have a little little faith. faith. I love the fact that you went to the beginning. One of the things I talk about, Tim, is when I find a new writer, I do the same thing, right? I explore their novels. I explore their books. Just to do. Do you have a couple of favorite Springsteen albums? Yes. The Rising um, is the one. Um, yeah, you're um, talking about that, yeah. yes. But The River, because of the fact that it's it always... I, I remember sitting in, in at uh, university listening to it. And I went back to Born in the USA, and I love that as well. And I just love the way that he gets across American life. When, yeah, I had been a fan on and off, not a massive fan, just a casual fan. And when 9-11 happened, there was a couple weeks after that, there was a fundraiser where he and the band did My City of Ruins. And that kind of was, oh, my goodness. And then I bought The Rising. My first live show was a Rising show. And so that is special. And I've done 19 shows. And so far, every show I've gone to, he plays The Rising. (laughs) And I do think it is one of his modern classics. It is just so well done. Um, you mentioned that you have seen Bruce perform live a couple of times, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've seen, I saw him in 2008 at the Emirates Stadium, which for anybody who's a soccer fan is Arsenal's stadium. That was on the Magic Tour. And I saw him in 2013 on the Wrecking Ball Tour as well, which was at Wembley. And, um, they were absolutely awesome concerts. Did you, what did you think of Letter to You? Sorry? The, uh, the covers album.
song for me. Did you, you did mention the covers album? Have you listened to any of it? Yes, I quite liked it actually. I'm not a big fan usually of people covering covers, but there was a couple of times I heard the songs on the radio, and I thought actually that's quite good. And then when I shazammed it, I found it was Bruce Springsteen, and I just thought that he provided something addition to it because quite often with covers, it's oh yeah. Or people ruin it. The, there's a new U2 album out. It's not of covers, but of acoustic versions. And it's a bit so what? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Bruce Springsteen covers, I, I, I quite liked it. I'm not, as I said, not a big fan of covers, but yeah, it was okay. I thought it was joyous. I thought that there really was a lot of joy in that in doing it. You mentioned if you push come to shove, Led Zeppelin would be your, your favorite band. Is that it is, yes. correct? Yeah. So talk to me about why, why them and what about their music spoke to you? I remember there's, there used to be a, a pop music program here in the UK. It was the only pop music program there was when I was growing up. It was on a Thursday night. It was called Top of the Pops. Mm-hmm. And they used, they used to do a chart rundown. And during the chart rundown, they basically used the soundtrack to, for a whole lot of love. And I thought, that's a great piece of music. And then when I, I, and like, like a lot of people, I bought Led Zeppelin too, because it's a bit of a classic icon. And I just thought, this is amazing. And um, and then I did the thing. I went back to Led Zeppelin 1, which I thought was okay. And now looking back of it, they were pretty much a blues cover, covers band at that point. Right. And it wasn't until they got to Led Zeppelin 3 where they were really writing their own music. And then 4. And I remember getting, so I went from 2 to 1 to 4 because it's got Stairway to Heaven on and everyone's got to have it. And I remember listening to Led Zeppelin 4 and thinking it was absolutely amazing. But my favorite, but my favorite Led Zeppelin song is Kashmir. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a fun, it, physical graffiti is a great album, but I think Led Zeppelin is, is, a, is an awesome band. I have, I have some, all kinds of recordings of that. Seeing them live and seeing the offshoots of the Robert and everyone. How has your live experience been with the members of the band? I've never seen I've never seen Led Zeppelin or any of the Robert Plant or Jimmy Page live. Never have I've just. It's funny. It's never for me. It was Led Zeppelin. I've got all of Jimmy Page's solo stuff, which I've always felt. Yeah. And Robert Plant, his last album we did with Alison Krauss. Yeah. Which I thought was great, but I've never really wanted, I, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to go and see them play live, but yeah, that's where we wish we had the TARDIS. Where we yes, go back. yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, John Bonham, the, the John Bonham drumming. I've got some, I've got some albums that from not official albums yeah. and the, and some of the stuff that there was a particular live album, which they recorded for it to be a live album and then shelved, which is where they were playing at the top of their game because they knew it was going to be a live album. I can't remember which one it is university of Southampton or something. And it is just awesome. I, I love this. The idea, this love of music you've had and your passion, does it influence your business life? I know we talked a little bit about you, you've written business books on selling. You've embraced social media. You do a YouTube channel where you talk to business leaders and give advice about building teams, building selling. AI and other topics. Mm. Does music influence your business life or business life influence your music life? I would say so. Whenever we travel, 
whether it's my part, whether it's my business partner or my life partner, yeah, we would probably look up and say, is there an, any concerts on? So, for example, um, I did some lecturing at Rutgers back in 2017. And then we basically drove down through Philadelphia, Washington to the Blue Ridge Mountains. So that means we went through, we drove to Princeton to see the ugly Bruce Springsteen statue. And I got a photo of that. We then went to Philadelphia and we found that Roger Waters had, we, was playing and he was playing animals. So we went to see Roger Waters in, in Philadelphia and we, and on, on another road trip that my partner and I did, we went to see James Taylor at Red Rocks, which was spiritual. Yeah. I've um, never been to Red Rocks. So, but James I, Taylor, James Taylor yeah. at Red Rocks. Oh, so you will appreciate this as a fellow music lover and everyone I tell the story to, they nod. Yes. James Taylor and Jackson Brown were touring together last year. Yes. And they were going to be in Fort Worth, Texas, which is Dallas's neighbor. And the tickets were really expensive. Oh yeah. I saw them. Yeah. And so I started looking and the tickets in New Orleans were really inexpensive for pretty decent seats. So New Orleans, six, seven hour drive, a fairly cheap airfare. So instead of spending $500 for two tickets, we spent $2,000 to go to New Orleans for a long weekend to see the concert. And it, and, as my wife said, yes, but we got a mini trip out of it. We got a mini yeah. vacation out of it. But yes, and I've seen James Taylor multiple times, and it's always beautiful. His voice remains classic, and it just – he is wonderful. And I've never been to Red Rocks, and that is on my wish list of because I that venue sounds just magical. It's a, it's a beautiful place. And it, there, at one point, it looked like that there was going to be a – they were going to – stop the concert mm-hmm. because there was a thunderstorm. But in a way, what happened was that you had these dark clouds come down and then you had the lights of the thing. And, and, and James is, I mean, he's got so many great songs. Really and, does. Uh, and of course, because of my accent, all I have to do in America is turn around and talk to somebody and people want to talk to me because they think I'm James Bond. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hughes. Tim yes, Hughes. Yes. yes. Tim Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hughes. You mentioned Led Zeppelin. Who else have you not seen in concert that you wish you could have? John Lennon. Yeah. We saw, we saw the Beatles. We, Paul McCartney toured and he did a, um, on the encore, Ringo came on and played drums. So we saw the Beatles because they were the two, the, the two people that are still alive. Yeah. But John Lennon, John Lennon was a massive influence to me in my younger days. And I still remember the, where I was when I found out that he'd been shot. And I just think that he was such a, an influence on, on, and it was part of when you listen to the Beatles, we've been to Abbey Road and we've been to a number of lectures there and we've sat in the room where, or the rooms where the, a lot of the Beatles albums were recorded and it's not just about the musicianship. It was about the personalities, the four lads from Liverpool. And when they were interviewed, they were always having a laugh and a joke and uh, sometimes at the journalist's expense. But the fact it was just, it was as much about that, per- their personality. John Lennon. Yeah, I agree. That would be amusing. Amazing. I'm, same as you, I think. So I'm probably 20, 21 in 1980. I'd have to do the math. And I remember the, I was working nights at the time. So I did not hear about it till the morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember the radio station playing a Beatles song and I'm like, okay, this isn't their normal format. And then back then you didn't have the internet. Yes. And the disc jockey said 
John Lennon was shot last night and you just were, you, you just, that this doesn't happen. Yes. I mean, I was 15 and I thought that music, I thought it's the, the day that the music died. Yeah. The song. And I just thought that music had died on that day. Yeah. That he'd done a load of interviews with a DJ in the UK. Yeah. And he was just, I'm back. I'm loving life. I'm in love. Yoko and I love each other. I've been making bread and that's really, and, and it's, you know, here we, and there was a new album out, Double Fantasy, which was pretty good. And we think this, this is amazing solo career ahead of him. And then it all came to a stop. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Are there, you've mentioned a couple of your favorite songs, but are there other songs that you want to bring up that mean something very special or albums to you, your significant other, maybe your family? It, it was one of the things that came up that over the passing of my father was that he was a big Wagner fan. Okay. And he loved opera in German. And he and my mum used to, he and my mum used to go to Gomera, which is a, a, an island off Spain, I think. And he would listen to, I don't know if you know that there's a, a 17 hour opera, was okay. it 18 hour, called The Ring Cycle by Wagner. And he used to insist that he would listen to it twice. And so I, I, and I never knew that until basically I'm talking to my mum after the funeral, after, after he died and we were talking about the funeral. So that has a meaning for me because it has a connection. I, I have a, I have a, an extensive record collection, physical record collection. And I think that the records made in Japan, I remember hearing it at a youth club and it, there was a number of albums at that time. There was made in Japan. There was live and dangerous. There was status quo live. I remember as a very young boy when Live and Dangerous came out, standing in front of a record shop. This is before I bought records and seeing this massive poster of Phil Lynott. If people don't know, there's, it's, he, he's standing there playing the bass with these leather trousers on. And he is just a rock star. And seeing that and Deep Purple made in Japan and listening to those albums. And I still listen to them to, to the day. And I think that they're things that remind me of, of the youth. Mm-hmm. And then of course, during my teens, teens, I was into the Stranglers and, and some of the punk stuff. You know, my first ever gig was in 1979, which was Motorhead on the Bomber tour. And Saxon was supporting them. Uh, and so I turn to those albums or early Motorhead albums if I'm, I want to relive my youth or, or, or something that actually means something to me. Yeah. Do, uh, I take it you continue to buy physical albums? I do. Yes. The, I'm funny enough, the, the post, the mailman, as you would call it, seems yeah. to know me very well. He said the other day, he said, I'm glad that you're, you seem to be single-handedly keeping the vinyl industry alive. I love that statement so much. That is great. I appreciate it. I, there is – my wife talks to me about that sometimes, and I, I don't do a lot of vinyl, though I'm interested in getting back. I my My mother is in a nursing home now, too. She had a stroke, and so she gave me all her vinyl. And which is lovely because she's got written all over it. It just, there was no treating this as it's sacred. It's just, it's just an album. And that going through those and seeing a lot of early Fats Domino and seeing Merle Haggard and Marty Robbins and Charlie Pride is just, amazing 
it's in a way it's like a diary it is because there was it would have been out at the time it, those were the days where an album or a single came out and you would take money and go to a shop and buy it yes now i'm in a i'm in a, a facebook group called now spinning which is where we if we play a album we take a photo of it and we post it nowadays if you sell 20,000 copies you'll be number one album yeah and where whereas people were fleetwood mac rumors mm. were selling millions and there is a lot of good things about the internet there's a lot of bad things and i appreciate the fact that if i go oh I want to buy this CD or this album. I can go on the internet, find it, order it three or four days in my office, in my house, right? But there was something beautiful about going into a record store when you're traveling, going to the bees. And at the, my first music obsession was Beach Boys and the Brian Wilson. Okay. Love going it. through those bees. No, oh, I don't have this one. And okay, I'm getting this. And it is that sense of, I, I hear read, writers talk about that too, like going to the used bookstore, you'd have your list of, of books you're looking for. And like, oh, this is one I need for my collection is just wonderful. Yeah. There's a secondhand record store in, in a town near me called Guildford, yeah. which is called Ben's Collector's Records. It's been there for 30 years, I think. It started off selling, but it now mainly is secondhand. And for me, my partner drops me off and I just sit there and I'm going through the, and oh, and I, the problem is, is that I now have to have a list on my phone. Yes. Because otherwise I buy stuff and I come back. Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tim, anything I haven't asked you that I should have? Yes. What is it? She gets in the car. Okay. That's, I'm, that's how I'm going to end. Thank you for that quick synopsis. I- it was, but by the way, I know that you're going to ask me, it, it, do you know, it was lovely going back and listening to that because it, it was the, when I was saying earlier on about Bruce's ability to get across this story. The screen door slam. Screen door slam. We don't have screen doors in the UK. And I remember going to a wedding. It was a year after. 9-11, we got a really cheap flight, funnily enough. And I went to a wedding in New Jersey, which was, and they had a screen, and it was like, and all like this screen door would, and the person would come out, and we saw the bride come out, and I'm in my head, I'm going, screen door slam. Yes. The screen door slams, Mary's dress And I, and it, for me, it was like, and now, and I just see that. And it was, it's just a beautiful piece of poetry. And I, and I was saying about the phasing, that he gets the phasing of the vocals on it. It's not like, well, I'll just try and speak it as fast as I can because I want to make a point. He's slow and then he's fast and the emotions come out. It is just, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. I had a listener tell me. When he was answering the Mary question, he said, yes, but he says, and on racing in the street, when she says she sits on the porch of her daddy's home, he goes, that was the porch she marched around on. And I went, you're right. So, yeah, for those of you who are a fan of Tim Talks and you're here to hear a different side of Mr. Hughes, um, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who was an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area who recently retired, would take the song Thunder Road from Bruce Springsteen and would give it to his class as a poem. They would read the lyrics. They would talk about the imagery. They would compare it to other poems like from Robert Frost. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Tim, you've already given it. So explain your answer, though. Why do you think Mary gets in the car? You you couldn't say no to that, could you? You couldn't, you just, you couldn't, you just couldn't say no. 
he does a brilliant pitch. Yeah. Um, and it's a pitch of there's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not the best in the world, but right now I'm, I'm pretty good. There's all the people that you said no to. So therefore it's now time for you to get in the car. And I just, you just, I can, I can visualize a beat up, done up car. And Bruce Springsteen, arm out the window. And it's, yes. uh, of course you would. I love that. Tim, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Best way to get me is either my LinkedIn, which is Timothy Hughes. I am Tim at DLAignite.com or on Twitter, I'm Timothy underscore Hughes, but LinkedIn is probably the best place to get me. I will make sure that link is in there. I had a wonder, this was a joy visiting with you. Thank you. I hope. Same with me. It's been, it's been really energizing and you're so passionate about music (laughs) and uh, it's just been great having a little chat about it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I forgot to make the joke. This is a timey-wimey episode. It's my afternoon, his evening. So thank you for that. I look forward to reading your father's obituary. And uh, so be sure and send that out. I'll Listeners, go check out Timothy's LinkedIn page. Check out his YouTube page. I'll include both links. If you have any questions, be sure and reach out to us. For now, though, be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Uh, I'd like to thank Elton and the boys for having me on tonight. We tried to think of a number to finish off with so that I could get out of here and be sick. And we thought we'd do a number of an older, strange fiancé of mine called Paul. This is one I never sang. It's an old Beatle number. And we just about know it. Here we everyone. This is a quick shout out to thank all the wonderful people who are members of the Set Lusting Booth Patreon page. So we have Jess Almer, Sylvian L, Liz Bronson, Yetta, Fernando Lozano, Steve Vansack, the ghost of Floyd, Rob, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Dale Hozek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. So go to patreon.com, look for Set Lusting Bruce. If you want to support me, I would appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, my wonderful Patreon supporters. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at setlustingbruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. 
My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Ah, me public. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.